as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. enthusiast and all that fan welcome welcome that's me how you doing delightful nice to have you here so i guess you can hear me good i can hear you good let's let's get ready to rumble so decided to just start off just the star trek uh themed podcast this year to just uh also incorporate uh the ones that were just love letters to the saga while being their own inventive world so we are tackling both Galaxy Quest and the ongoing TV show, The Orville. So uh, what was your intro to Star Trek in general, let alone the, both these shows and how they were just kind of doing their own thing while having inside jokes that were definitely for the memory alpha quadrant? <laughs> so uh, Star Trek, I would say I started when I was very young. Um, my parents and I have always been um, sci-fi buffs, buffs and enthusiasts, uh, basically love letters to all of the things that are technical. Right. They they would have, and it's just so funny how every time, whether it's just a Nazi troll on Facebook or just someone else who's just like, I just don't want to think about the real world. I'm like, well, you're going to have some real life inspired stuff in your entertainment and basically it's just so wild how the writers would talk about they could talk about any kind of medicine or just other just no-no subjects like tyrannical politics or abortion or anything else but it was just all in the disguise of aliens and clones and you know the prime directive versus doing the right thing and just telling your boss you know go screw yourself i'll see you in court you know (laughs) just You'd see all this in a typical any of the Star Treks. You know, that it was just kind of their nature. They had to honor Gene Roddenberry while also kind of make the fan base happy. Is like, wait a minute, why don't you do this kind of thing? You know, uh, you you should stun this uh, evil alien leader. Don't kill him, but stun him and bring him in court while his rebellious guys try and break him out of prison. Or you got to do. You got to relocate these people who don't want to leave this planet that's actually about to be destroyed by a volcano or, you know, invisible predator type creature. You know? <laughs> I, I also like the fact that um, 
they would cover topics like if we're going to go all the way back to Star Trek, um, original stuff like, oh, my God, we have a black person and a Russian and an Asian person. Oh, yeah. And this alien, too. But, you know, we have all of these people on the ship doing things, not just, oh, it's, the you know, the one person she, she's here and gone. They're actually in charge of things. Yeah. And, and they... Starting with TNG, they you, you notice how they give a lot of the extras that are recurring actual names or one line of dialogue after a while. And yeah, with him, I mean, yeah, definitely. Like, the original is like, everybody, it really was the first time that someone other than the first three characters did have a big growing storyline that would come back and haunt them. And, you know, mm-hmm. five episodes down the road, it, it was just, people just don't seem to realize... It's like the networks just considered it, oh, that cult sci-fi show. It's like, no, this was very inspirational. You see it in everything, whether it's a bunch of people on a crime show who are goofing around in a science lab. You you just see the influence everywhere. And, uh, I mean, I see it especially in something like The Last Ship, where it's like, okay, yeah, of course, the captain is going down to the surface. (laughs) Going to participate in the warfare works for an action show not really necessarily in real life but is like you see that whole deal and especially with how they would give them a reason they would work around their ske- the actor's schedule and yeah i mean just seeing yahura just be so brave just tackling any kind of science conduit before you know spock had to explain what was going on and yeah sulu got to actually manage you know how the ship was he and Chekhov both are controlling how the ship is selling. If one of them gets knocked out, out from the blast or battle that they're doing, then the other takes over the, you know, helming both the weapons and the ship control. So it's like, yeah, it's a big, a, a sense of camaraderie and just a rare kind of duo between certain characters, you know? And if Spock and Kirk aren't talking to each other, then Virtually everybody is talking to Bones and pretty much having a heartfelt conversation. (laughs) Yeah, I also like how they could touch on things that, like, back then was shocking, but to us now, it's like, okay, that's normal. And then we bring up Oroville, where you have, you know, a quote-unquote married gay couple. And everybody's like, oh, I don't want social justice warrior stuff in my Star Trek shows. And you're like, but you watched the originals and you watched TNG. Did you not see that there also? They're not doing exactly. anything new. They're yeah, touching the they, they, they really aren't. If anything, people are complaining about it less because, you know, and, and that's the other thing, too. They also try to pretend, oh, this is ruder than usual. It's like, no, you're just now noticing it. And you know damn well this happened in the other one. And if you got a problem with it, you're probably just one of the bigots or bad aliens they're talking about. you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just never fails if someone has to complain. And it's like, and then they do the whole, I love how they'll, do, they'll be pretentious, do the whole, can't we all get along? I'm like, we are getting along. You're the one causing trouble. <laughs> so yeah um galaxy quest again i think you could just say definitely opened up the window for how to make your own kind of sci-fi thing i mean you had other stuff like farscape and you know star yay even red dwarf the creators admitted we just were making fun of star trek um 
and doing our own random thing. Mystery Science Theater even references it a bit with yeah. the nanites. And it's just like, yeah, it's like, but at this point, Galaxy Quest was just so funny how they just made fun of the actors who are associated with the giant sci-fi show and then afterwards just, you know, do guest spots on westerns and crime shows and uh, have trouble branching out. And I just thought it was just so, it's even funnier when you just look at it all, especially with, you know, Alan Rickman, you know, Gravador's hammer, you know, just doing the whole, you know, I want a role that doesn't require heavy makeup. <laughs> right. I'm a Shakespearean actor. And Sigourney Weaver, I just love how they just, you know, she'd already been part of the Alien franchise, and I just thought it was just so funny how the way they introduced her character, she's looking like a Farrah Fawcett and Charlie's Angel type, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just... And anytime you see any of those guys, I mean, Tony Shabob ended up working with that director quite a lot on his show Monk. So it's just like everyone's career was kind of a little reawakened, ironically, from that movie a bit. You know, Tim Allen was already Buzz Lightyear, but he's basically playing him in human form, you know, (laughs) right? The the no, this is real. Right. It's not real, you know, (laughs) It, it does kind of just show you how I mean the themes really do play pretty well I mean they're obviously doing a mock-up of the free amigos so it's a spoof of a spoof but those themes do speak pretty deeper than anyone even intends whereas it's like yeah find out who you're appreciated by because it might be the least likely audience <laughs> uh, someone out there uh, really appreciates you you, you might not be seeing it now, but somewhere down the road, someone's going to ask you about that role or legit, you know, if nowadays you're kind of seeing it with law and order, people are watching that and saying, Hey, now I feel comfortable actually speaking out as a victim of some crime or injustice. And I mean, it's kind of even goes back to the daily show. They're like, Oh, we're not a news network, but they know damn well. A lot of people prefer to watch them as opposed to just give you know, bored or fed up seeing a over-the-top, you know, reporter start an argument with somebody. It's like, yeah, we'd rather you amusingly talk about some news and then let us soak that in. Um, And I guess you could say the Orville really does kind of, they even get a little deeper than, say, something like uh, Babylon 5. I mean, they're, they're talking about aliens who, you know, will disown you if you do this operation. You know, if you do this kind of practice, if you stay with this, it's like, oh, it's not what we had intended you to do. Well, I, uh, one of the episodes was like, oh, it's based on how the stars were. This is how you were born. This is your class because you were born on a specific day. And it's like, that's dangerous to people. If it's like, oh, your your child could be this t- this way, but if you wait like three days then it'll be a different way. Or, oh, you better have your child now, because if you wait three days, they're going to be of a lower class. So you they, can see I do remember that episode. That. And, like, and it was... it's all changed by, oh, hey, look, a new star. Yeah, it that, that really did get, get deep, because it was just kind of hinting at how so many cultures and religions take, you know, everything in the stars just so seriously. And... Uh, even if something doesn't add up, oh, I can't question it, you know? So it really is kind of a lot of fun seeing them go into some Neil deGrasse Tyson, Bill Nye kind of science. 
and just kind of do a spin on that. They they do some other amusing stuff inside references, like the asteroid belt chase in uh, season two is a total Star Wars Empire Strikes Back, you know, (laughs) shot by shot reference. They have some other Twilight Zone kind of stuff where, you know, not that any of the Star Treks didn't have those moments, but they go a little even deeper where it's like someone is imagining someone else is invisible or looks like a giant spider, you know? <laughs> um, right. But yeah, no, this, the science angle, I think, really does open it up a lot. And I, do you feel like Seth MacFarlane just kind of goes in a different direction or is he kind of doing just a love letter to kind of pop culture that he likes while just kind of doing his typical kind of family guy formula or neither just kind of something totally different so at first i felt that seth like he had his he had his shoes to fill he had to make his show but he did it in such a way that haha slapstick comedy here haha this but if you follow the underlying story that the character building was great you know you you um think about uh, isaac how intelligent he is but flawed because he doesn't know certain behaviors and then um the scene with the um rain on the bridge they brought that up as a romantic thing and then immediately turned it around to we are the weirdest ship on uh, in in the whatever it, it, it was a I, mixture of romance humor science a, a little bit of of awe and comedy all together in one and so do you find that in family guy not so much it's more of a slap you in the not face not really no but also family guy jumps from point to point to point and the orville is like an hour long episode you know you, you watch it for an entire hour and you don't realize Absolutely. an hour has passed at the end of it. Instead of going, oh my god, you know, this got this show's got another 30 minutes to go. You're like, wait, it's over? Oh, it's been an hour. Oops. I have to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I've noticed, the only people I've noticed, and I don't mean to villainize them, but I've, the only ones who I noticed who weren't caring for it were just people who kind of just, I don't want to say want the lowest common denominator, but just for whatever reason, they just weren't even though they were a fan of some of those space shows or something, they just, it, it lost them. It was just too weird for them. And I noticed they're, the way they're wired is just kind of, they want everything just hand-delivered to them. It's like, well, okay, some stuff you do actually have to reach for, but they're, they're doing a various level of different kind of things. And I think you guys are just being way too harsh on this, especially if you're already fans of Seth. He doesn't have to give you all the potty humor up front, let alone at all. It, and I think you can bite your words on that one, guys. But yeah, um, that, that's a very good point. He does kind of go even deeper with um, just having other little Easter eggs and other stuff in there. It even takes you a while to realize just every other actor is someone who is a fan of Star Trek or guest starred or had recurring roles like the doctor on there you know penny johnson gerald she was on you know deep space nine as you know uh cisco's second wife you know and some of the other guys you know had had big part roles or had a similar kind of 
dialogue. So, of course, they're going to be, you know, on the show. Uh, I had the opportunity to listen to a live interview with John Kassar uh, earlier in 20... I think... I want to say at the beginning of 2021, and he talked about how both he and had wrapped up Orville season three. It's just taken a while to post. And he, he pretty much echoed what all the other actors had echoed at a galaxy con live panel over zoom, how Seth is so trusting of everybody. And because he believes just anyone can do a good job. You don't have to be. You don't have to question each other, micromanage each other. The it pretty much just shows on screen, and because he's letting them do something that they typically don't do, you know. And John, you know, is best known as the director of stuff like the Kennedys miniseries in '24. He had been the serious drama guy, and so Brandon Braga have worked on the latter, as well as you know, is best known as the showrunner on Voyager and Enterprise. And so when he was working with Seth on this show and John Favreau was even getting involved as like a consultant, uh, he instantly, you know, signed up and he said it just was so much fun to do kind of just kind of what you've already been doing all your career and yet still tweak it and make it be funny, even though kind of like The Office, it's a straight face, uh, just the jokes land. Everyone knows their stage cues. Uh Cast member Kelly, who who plays one of the admirals, said everyone is just so forgiving and trusting. Like she'd never been asked to do the walk and talk while delivering a speech. And so that was kind of a new thing to do as an actor. Um, and everyone else is also noticing that they've never delivered these kinds of jokes before, you know. And so it's also kind of amusing seeing people who worked with Seth before on either his animated stuff or the Ted movies uh, show up in cameos like Liam Neeson, Charlie Theron, you know, as the villainous of the week. So, um, but why do you think it also kind of gels as being its own special deal? <laughs> uh, aside from the science and embracing different kinds of humor. I definitely think it, it helps that, you know, it's, it's Seth, so you know that there's going to be comedy, and then you see how there's deeper stuff. But it's not Family Guy, so you can't go, oh, this is a joke that they did there, or oh, this is a joke that they did somewhere else. Uh, as far as I've known, everything in the Oroville is new. And, uh, you know, there they so many different little tropes that they could fall into, like the godlike character. Um, let's say Q or something like that where yeah. they haven't done that because they don't need to, they have other quasi science things. Um, I remember there was a sector of yeah, space they did the that giant smashed everything takeover to, episode. They did that. There was the sector of space that smashed everything into a 2d zone. And you're like, well, here's a guy who's who's not listening to the science. And, and he's just like, Oh, you can't tell me what to do. And they're like, we're trying to save you. And he ends up getting killed because he wouldn't listen. Like, that was, that kind of relates to what's going on right now. But, um. Yeah, it, they, they, they're not even afraid to end episodes even a little darker than usual, which was mm -hmm. just a total no no in Star Trek and kind of makes it stand out a little more. 
you know, Star Trek has done overcomplicated, you know, time travel before, and their time travel was kind of a self-aware plot twist on that, and just kind of ended it amusingly, and then is like, they have the characters enjoying their current, which should definitely be a special kind of hell, is then they find out, well, I'm kind of enjoying this, now I'm lonely, now I'm going to get back to the actual timeline I belong in, you know, right. The, a, a gentle play on that as opposed to overcomplicating it further or making it too just, you know, twisted. Um, they, they definitely know when to pull away and there's definitely never any dead spots where you're like, okay, you know, it's too much, you know. <laughs> um, they have some other inside voice uh, cameos and you kind of just you never know when to look for it. It's the right kind of surprise. Like, you knew that there was this other blue alien that the ex-wife and second-in-command was sleeping with, but you didn't know it was Rob Lowe, and that's kind of a fun, you know, <laughs> play on his over-the-top persona. And you had Bruce Willis do a voice cameo as a guy at a bar, and that's kind of making fun of his kind of hermit kind of look nowadays. So it's just like... Yeah, is like there's always kind of two layers to some of the jokes and character development, like you say. Like there is a purpose to it. It's not just it's only gonna look random if you're really not paying attention. <laughs> so uh going a little back uh to Galaxy Quest, do you think this is it for it? Because it seems like they wanted to a follow web series and Alan Rickman passed away and Alan politely said that oh we're, we're still thinking of doing some way we can follow it up and it looks like it's just kind of not progressing I, I guess you can carefully say this is it for Galaxy Quest it'll always be a awesome movie that's embraced so I think that Galaxy Quest while it was a love letter to the fans and the fact that, you know, we all dream that something like this is really possible. There are aliens out there that are higher, uh, technologically more advanced than we are that can take us to where we are. They see our shows and go, Oh, this must really be real. Well, let's go do this. So, you know, the dream of that will always stay alive. But as far as galaxy quest itself, I don't think they'll bring it back. Um, I think it, it fell into the, it's really cute, it's nice, but how long has there been, been uh, calling for Firefly to come back? And right. they won't do it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just too good. Where would you start? The so the creator, they'll never say it to anyone, but anyone who knows them just knows that, you know, the chapter's done. <laughs> Uh, on to the next best thing. Um, and li like you say, I mean, yeah, it, it does open up that whole, you know, if there are aliens out there, what do they think of our shows? You know, do they have technology that we only envision in the movies? You know, do they think we're weirder than them? And there are some fun discussion points. And it is kind of wild how, yeah, at that time, everyone was just kind of, despite all the fan clubs, uh, even if it wasn't just a Star Wars rivalry, there was just a lot of people acting like, oh, you guys, you only stand in your basement. You, know, you live with your parents, yada, yada. 
is like it kind of just de-villainize helped de-villainize geekdom is like well you can be a movie buff and still live some kind of a life as opposed to just be the ne'er-do-well who's not that socially active or weird you know it's like no it's like there's a voice for everyone here um uh, it is funny how a few other people had brief roles in there. Uh, Justin Long, you know, <laughs> the Mac kid from Die Hard 4 and Jeepers Creepers was uh, one of the geeks uh, who meets them at the convention. Uh, and <laughs> Rain Wilson, years before The Office and Six Feet Under is uh, on there. It's just that, that even funnier. <laughs> See, I think uh, that's one of the problems where um, Galaxy Quest would have run into is one of the quote-unquote key key components of Galaxy Quest is the fact that the fan or fans know more about the ship because, you know, I don't currently have, but many people have technical readouts of starships that aren't created and, you know, ha- know which pathways they could run down right. to get to certain True places. Compliments. And, you know, Children. the actors don't know any of this. They knew their lines, and some of them don't even know that. I mean, um, we were watching a thing with Anna Kendrick in it a while ago talking about Twilight, and she was like, was I even in that movie? And we're like, yeah, you were. You know, so so people know... The, the fans know so much more about a show than the people that were even in the show. I think Absolutely. that's hilarious. And so, you know, after a little while, the answer becomes, oh, let's just ask the geek. Let's just ask the nerd. Let's ask this guy. And, you know, it'll, it'll have to get out sooner or later that there's aliens and there's other things going on because general people talk. So... They would have. Yeah. They would turn that show from a sci-fi show into a, you know, the what happens when Earth knows that they're not the only ones here. So I think that's one of the things that would hurt Galaxy Quest. Uh, that's a very good point because uh, people realize uh, are slowly seem to be waking up to the fact that okay, well, some, you know. In the writer's room, all they knew is how many people supposedly were on the ship, and then they change it by season. We're adding 10 extra to that compliment, you know, crew compliment. But that's all they know. You know, they're always changing the science of what the ship can or can't do based on the episode. And like you say, it's like when people forget they didn't have a Wikipedia, they didn't have IMDb back then until like 96. They couldn't check, you know, what was on the internet, you know. So for the longest time, no one knew what. Or anything because <laughs> uh, there wasn't resources were limited before you know the internet grew even larger so yeah it's like don't fault your fans for calling you out on stuff and they do address that at the beginning of the movie which is so funny is like alan rickman is getting feisty and tim allen's like is you know had too much to drink and says something slightly rude so that's making fun of Shatner before he embraced, you know, the Captain Kirk, you know, cult fandom is like, but it, but it's true. It's like you, uh, actors only know. I mean, I've even had to tell my parents before, you know, because you know I did some acting in college and just knew. I, I got a sense of you know the director doesn't tell the actor how to act, and same thing with the actor, they don't tell the director how to direct or the writer how to write, and 
it is so funny how everyone seems to be like, well, how did they get into character and do all this stuff that they do? It's like they add, they add a character backstory. That's what they do. And everyone just says, you know, oh, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily re- needed or anything. It's like, well, that's the thing. It's like, even if it's not needed, it's, it's how they work. <laughs> it's how they get into character. They only know how, why they do these mannerisms and they justify that. They don't know necessarily know why characters are acting a certain way they're just having to you know figure it out (laughs) well like on that note um how how does the character act uh i have a lot of military experience and i've seen the bridge of a aircraft carrier you know big military ship and it's literally the people up front don't act unless they're told or you know you tell somebody go to this heading that person's going to go to the heading until they're told to stop and they're not looking for anybody to question or to, to ask or anything like that in a military sense. Um, Star Trek mostly covered that with everybody needing the order to like, go ahead and go to this point at that speed. And there wasn't any question about it. There wasn't any, you know, maybe this is better or, or something like that. But on the Oroville, they were like like bullshitting a little bit. They were friendly to each other instead of it being strictly military. And that is more character building to a military person than um, totally. I bet most people even notice. Because you're like, wait, he didn't just say yes, sir. He kind of talked back a little bit. That's That's interesting, you know? Yeah. I mean, and to actually, they do get a little more military than even deep space nine and Babylon five at some point where they're just like, and their twist on it is just making it more just kind of, are you talking back as a friend? Are you talking back? You know, just cause you don't respect my authority that they do show a few different other admirals. And uh, I mean, even the beginning episode where they had the perfectly cast Victor Garber, who's always good at just playing these kind of, you know, Royal kind of people, uh, you right. know, up, uh, big cheese types. Uh, they just have him just kind of be like, yeah, I'm the only guy who vouched for you. And I get that your ex is on the ship, but I want your career to reactivate because you're one of the few smart people who I think could do more. And it's like, that's motivation. That is good character building. That's enough to make anyone, the viewer invest in a program when they know, okay, imperfect person. I can relate. I'm at a job where I'm not valued or, want a promotion but i have to earn it and there's more barriers yeah and when when it's a sticky situation it can be really amusing comedy or the awkwardness can be well crafted and so yeah it's like when i see mercer i don't see any other kind of captain that he's a spoof of i see okay i see a guy who's got a lot to lose and a lot of surprises around the corner as well (laughs) Yeah, no, um, uh, that's a good point, too. I mean, there's never any confusion about what someone represents or is modeled off of. And, yeah, I mean, when you look at Star Trek, they had to just kind of make everyone happy and just loosely base it off military stuff. And yet so many actors there, you know, I guess that's why they went for a lot of the people who were on Broadway or had a theater background, because basically, you know, 
they're they're more appreciative of whatever kind of set they're building whether or not it reflects real life that's a different story i mean the actor james duhan who played scotty in the original was you know served in like the canadian special forces during world war ii and that's kind of why he had kind of that gist to him that's why he was perfect to play scotty he had kind of the slow response time and observational aspect to him <laughs> and they do a good job of giving all the other crew members a lot to do instead of just saying okay who's the sulu equivalent who's the Uhura equivalent you know who's the spock equivalent it was like you kind of get a next gen kind of theme especially with you know the guy controlling you know the photon port torpedoes is obviously a dig at war but he doesn't have the same war background you know frotus you know <laughs> Yeah, I've noticed um, stuff like that. I mean, you have to have a ops, to, you know, you have to have a pilot, you have to have a gunner, you have to have a science person on a ship like that. But they they also added in other stations and, and didn't make it seem like, oh, this person's a replace for that. You know, it's this person acts. This yeah, person. even when they replace the one young, young ensign gal, they don't at all act like she's, you know, regrettable. They still spend some serious time showing what her family life is like, how she misses it. And that was good, you know, especially when the actress wanted to move on to a few other shows. It's like Seth knew how to, you know, colorize it and make it still be part of the storyline. And it's like, yeah, that's what you should do instead of, you know, oh, your story's over. Sorry, guys who were invested in one of those characters. Uh, we're not talking about you anymore. <laughs> right. And... I think so many shows have just, they just have not braced for that. They haven't done the Dick Wolf standard, you know. <laughs> okay, make way for someone new. <laughs> um, some shows are really good at it and others just really struggle. They just can't get that voice back or the producer and actor were just in such hot heat and anger towards another, just creatively not getting along to where until one of them moves on, you know, good luck getting that actor back, you know, <laughs> and doing some fan service. And at the same time, I think people are slowly waking up and realizing you don't have to have the same characters each time everywhere. A character can take its course and just you fill in the gaps. And at the same time, like you say, no fair just having a character and then giving them nothing to do. I think a good equivalent is probably... Going through it again, I've gone through the whole series of the closer and major crimes. Every character has something to do there. And it's just rare. Because, like you say, it's like they didn't really suffer with it on the Star Trek shows. Some of the knockoff shows did. But it's like, yeah, there, there have been times where it's like, okay, give me something to do. You know, as both an actor and as a character. And they pretty much fulfill that. Like, the the cyborg on the show, you know, is hardly just a data equivalent. He's, you know, obviously spoofing data in some way, but he's also uh, still got his own timeline and a lot of special things that only he can solve and he doesn't know how. And uh, like you say, I mean, all the other engineers and other things, you know, uh, they got to figure out their love lives and other stuff and what they want to do as people. And, uh, that really is special that they were able to just dedicate that much time instead of just, you know, unsure of how they want to proceed. 
And they definitely didn't make it all about the jokes. Yeah. If it had been just jokes, I think, like you said, everyone would have tuned out because they're like, okay, I don't have to take this seriously. Uh, and other than that, uh, uh, when do you think season three will take, uh, come back? You think they're, uh, taking their time trying to figure out what platform it's on? Because I know Seth is getting involved in some other projects. I mean, I don't know about any of the back ends, but I just hope that whatever they do, they do it safely. Um, this whole last year really threw a bunch of wrenches into a bunch of things and you're like okay this is taking a little bit longer i think at this point it's one of those we've waited long enough a couple more months even to the to the next year might just be okay but after yeah, a while, I know. people are going to start start forgetting the show even exists and it's like how much of the show is going to be a do you remember what we did last week yeah they really got to get it figured out because people keep asking when is season three coming down and uh, any more like if another year goes by they'll basically have missed their window mm-hmm. they'll have a show in the can that no one has still not yet seen and it's like well what are they waiting on because if they've shot all the foot material like john and has said he and seth had done then at this rate all they really need to do is add the visual effects and edit. <laughs> so it is concerning. It does make w- people wonder if they just need to keep reaching out on Twitter. <laughs> yep. Well, I think that, you know, the more that pe- general people say, hey, we need a show, it, it helps them to see it. But again, I'm going to fall back to the uh, Firefly scenario how many people are are screaming and clamoring there's board games there's you know there was a computer game at one time there's people that can tell you things about firefly that you don't even think about the way ships act and you're like where's that show you know (laughs) if the people want it enough does that make it happen the answer to that is obviously a no no even with crowdfunding, I mean, people have to want it. There has to be a, enough backing, otherwise you just threw money away. Well, so thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, if you want to promote anything, you can. Uh, other than that, I think this is a wrap. <laughs> um, nothing that would make sense to anybody if I start talking about it. I like to recreate the Middle Ages and uh, belong to a group that dresses up in armor and uh learn oh, nice. about our history it's called the sca or society of creative anachronisms even better i've been to a few renaissance fairs myself and you know people have to realize you know even if you're not not into other similar stuff like cosplaying or civil war type reenactments is like stuff like that you know that's really awesome because again you can get an idea of how people before you were living and breathing it's just really it really is just very intriguing and uh, it does make one wish that some local theater actors could try doing that in their spare time as well and kind of add some fun yeah no awesome feel free to promote that and 
Uh, have a wonderful uh, rest of the week, and I will keep updating you on when this episode drops. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you much. We're going to have probably two month wait, but yeah, I'll do three episodes a week, and I'm always just, you know, promoting them on Instagram and everything and Facebook. So, yeah. Thank you ever so much for being on here. It was a right very on. fun, quick chat. <laughs> bye bye. We'll return after these messages. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try... They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All. Sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation. We have Italian horror. We have zombies. We have slashers. We have crime films. We have spaghetti westerns. We even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin cough, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Hey, I heard you like movies. I heard you like to hustle. I heard you like podcasts. Well, guess what? There's a podcast for you out there called The Home Video Hustle. Damn right. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag, and PJ picks one out at random. And then we just watch it. We talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Ah. Tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games. Mm-hmm. Music. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the big one, music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. Sometimes we may just, oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, PJ. Ah, yes. I am the master storyteller yes. of the podcast realm. <laughs> Undefeated. So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you can think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers. Yes. The Google Play. Yes. Apple Podcasts. What else? Podbean. What else? Podcast Addict. Goddamn. All that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere. Worldwide, baby. Hustle motherfucking hustle. Hey, we can't. Cussing the promo, PJ. Ah. We gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want his hair to say. Ah. 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 Good fun stuff. <laughs> well, <laughs> you. <laughs> don't, don't, don't run the listeners away, PJ. Ah, I'm sorry. But this is going kind of long. Yes. So we'll end this and say, hey, check out the Home Video Hustle every Friday on all the various podcast outlets. Peace. Peace. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. And while Witch didn't make it to the top of the world, he did make the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. So join the gang and enjoy a movie review podcast about movie gangs, gangsters, mobsters, and the mayhem they cause. You can find GOH Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at gohpod at www.gohpod.com 
as well as your favorite podcast listening app. And remember, say hello to your little friend for me. If you take two old punk rockers who are past their prime, put them in front of a movie screen and give them a podcast, what do you get? Cinema punks. Cinepunks. It's the mixtape of movies. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Oh, necrophilia. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, prudes. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in it. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of here. unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this movie. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this, like, little nerd glee with everything Dude, that kept Little history up. doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. Because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How did you watch one. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. It's time, let's check our cue, baby. Pair it with a couple brews, baby. We love good movies. We love the bad ones, too. So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh, yeah. Everything I learned from movies Helps to make life a little bit groovy With a one-life splat holes of gratuitous It's time to get busy With your friend Steven Izzy At eilfm.podbean.com Welcome to Who Was She Podcast. I am your host, Tara Jabari. After a decade working in documentaries, marketing, and all things digital media, I found that podcasting is a strong medium to share stories. 
After years of producing for others, I decided to start my own biographical podcast. Who Was She? will focus on the life of a woman throughout Baha'i history. The first season is about Lydia Zeminoff. Lydia's story explores the subjects of the power of language and faith. Her father invented the universal language Esperanto, and she came from a Jewish family and became a Baha'i. She grew up during World War I and was killed during World War II in a concentration camp, despite heroic efforts to save her life. How can one person's life intersect with so many others, connect across borders, and inspire a biography which inspired this podcast? Over the next few weeks, I will share her story with you and the lives that were most affected by her and those who affected her life as well. They include her father, Ludwig Semenov, her spiritual mother, American journalist Martha Root, and the Baha'i German soldier Fritz Mako, who worked for the resistance undercover while having to serve the Nazi party. I want to thank the author Wendy Heller and George Ronald Publishing for their blessing to let me use Heller's biography, Lydia, The Life of Lydia Zeminoff, Daughter of Esperanto, as a main and instrumental resource for this podcast. So please subscribe and learn about this amazing woman who traveled through three continents in an effort to bring unity through the power of language. You can also find more information on our Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Who Was She Podcast. Music was composed and performed by Sam Red. I am your host, Tara Jabari. Join us next time as we begin our journey about Lydia Zeminoff. Hi, everybody. It's Mac Jackson. I wanted to invite you to a new site called the Forever Adventure Network. This website has everything. Pictures, videos, blogs. There's original music by Harmony Constant. Two podcasts. One is the MacGyver podcast, where we celebrate Richard Dean Anderson, his iconic roles, and how it's influenced our lives. There's episode discussions, interviews, and life conversations. The second podcast is the Never Gets Old podcast, where we celebrate all the best things that we love in life, from TV, movies, music, and comics. The site is also the home for the MacGyver SG-1 audio series, an ongoing adventure series that continues the adventures of MacGyver and SG-1. There are also multiple stores to choose from for all of your pop culture and adventure needs. Come on by and check us out today. And thanks for joining the adventure. Are you sick of the same old stale podcasts? Well then join Vanessa and Darren as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first-time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on Apple Podcasts, 
and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at VD Clinic Pod. Join them on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash VD Clinic Pod. Or email them at vdclinicpod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. <laughs> and still, they just might be a little contagious. Hi there. It's Heather from the Watching Netflix Without You podcast. Did you know that there are over 1,200 Netflix original feature films and documentaries? And that number is only growing. So I've made it my mission to watch as many as I possibly can. Then, with a delightful guest or guests, disclaimer, more often than not my brother Ryan, we spend an episode rating, reviewing, and discussing a film at length. The first half of every episode is spoiler-free for those who haven't seen it yet. And in the second half, after a very clear spoiler warning, we dive into it. And that's really about it. You can listen to Watching Netflix Without You on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. We now continue with our program. Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up-